This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Prince Harry released his new book, Spare, this week, and all sorts of crazy stories in there. Um, Here's one of them that caught our attention. Harry talks about going to a party where there was a a box of uh, magic mushroom chocolates. He says, quote, he grabbed several, gobbled them, and washed them down with tequila. Now, after the party, he went back to Courtney Cox's house. He was, he was staying at Courtney Cox from Friends, her house. And the mushrooms were just like, they were in full swing when he got back there. He recalls that he went into the bathroom and beside the toilet was a round silver bin, the kind with a foot pedal to open the lid. I stared at the bin. It stared back. Then it became a head. I stepped on the pedal and the head opened its mouth. A huge open grin. I laughed. I turned away. Took a pee. Now the loo became a head too. The loo. The toilet bowl was its gaping maw. The hinges of the seat were its piercing silver eyes. It started talking to him. (laughs) Now that's Prince Harry's side of the story, but we are honored to have an exclusive interview live via satellite here with Courtney Cox's Talking Toilet. Hello there. Thanks for coming on the program. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, when I got the invite, I just had to come. I mean, you guys are full of crap, too. God, that's the first time I've been zinged by a toilet before. <laughs> uh, not going to be the last time, Jimbo. Uh, Courtney Cox's Talking Toilet. A lot of uh, publicity after Prince Harry wrote about you in the book. He, uh, he apparently did some mushrooms in the bathroom, and that's when you sprung to life. Uh, I guess you could say I'm having a real toilet brush with fame here. I mean, uh, I've been around celebrities all my life. Uh, huh? all, all the friends have sat on my face. <laughs> I mean, I've had Chadler Bing uh, do uh, coke off of me. Yeah. Uh, Joey, uh, don't get me started on that guy. There was a friend's given here, and he took the biggest crunch you ever did see. And uh, Loosened those Thanksgiving pants a bit. Oh, it was, uh, you don't want to be around him after he's been eaten. And, uh, of course, Phoebe, let me just say, uh, her policy is if it's... <laughs> If it's what? If it's yellow, let it mellow. <laughs> Classic heavy. Oh, Phoebe. <laughs> but tell us about Prince Harry. Like, this guy, he's the biggest celebrity in the world right now. He did mushrooms in front of you. Oh, I've seen his mushroom all right, that's for sure. And let me tell you, he, he might be the Duke of Sussex, but he's definitely not the Duke of Shave It. <laughs> it, uh, it kind of looked like one of those furry hats the guards wear over at uh, Buckingham Palace, only orange. <laughs> okay. Uh, Courtney Cox is talking toilet. That's enough detail. I'm, I'm, I'm still going to get stuck in my teeth here. It's, <clears throat> it tastes like ginger. <laughs> Okay, I think you've painted the picture here, uh, Courtney Cox's talking toilet. Uh, What did you and Harry discuss when you started talking to him in the bathroom? Mostly we talked Vegas. Hey, guys, I got a question for you now. Uh, Why do you never play poker with Prince Harry? Why? Well, I expected him to have two deuces, but he had a royal flush. (laughs) Hi, Flo! (laughs) Well, thank you for your time here. I know you're very busy. Yeah, I gotta run.
But before I go, guys, just remember, I'll be there for poo. <laughs> Courtney Cox is talking toilet, everyone. The Taz and Jim Podcast. Air travel in the United States today, you should be okay. Yesterday, however, a real cluster. Thousands of flights across the U.S. were canceled or delayed after a system, uh, an online computer system that offers safety information to pilots went down. It, It crashed, and all flights across the United States, all flights. Must be thousands. <laughs> yeah, were, were grounded for hours. Uh, the FAA say they traced the outage to a damaged database file. They say now they will take steps to avoid this situation happening again, but uh, it uh, is the N-O-T-A-M-S alert system that they were having problems with. Notice to air missions before a pilot takes off, uh, pilots and dispatchers review the notices, details about bad weather, runway closures, or other factors that could affect the the flight. Um, and yeah, I guess they couldn't get any of those messages, so. What a mess. Better safe than sorry. It has not been a good... <laughs> couple of years for airline travel, has it? Not a lot of positive stories. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing headlines that say, hey, I took an airplane flight. It was comfortable. Everyone on the plane was polite. The passengers were pleasant. <laughs> and let me tell you about the leg room. Uh, here's another one. Air Canada is facing uh, complaints from a passenger who had an air tag tracker on their yeah. luggage. The bag, they were flying from Mexico back to British Columbia. When they got back, they checked the air tag, and their luggage was still in Mexico, (sighs) which is a pain in the ass, but then it gets worse. Uh, They checked the air tag a little later, and their luggage was now in Madrid, Spain. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Opposite direction. (laughs) Taking the long way home. (laughs) Scenic route. Yeah, your bag is 8,000 kilometers away, unfortunately. I wonder if you get an alert if it starts moving. I don't have those air tags, but you're like, oh, it must be moving. Oh, wait a second. Two east, two east. That makes me want to get one of those air tags, though. It'd be fun to, to follow your luggage. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you do lose it, you want that evidence that it, it is somewhere, right? Because you would have no idea where your luggage was if you didn't have it. Well, you wouldn't guess Madrid, Spain, probably, if you're flying from Mexico to BC. Uh, Air Canada saying that uh, they understand the frustration for the passengers who lose their luggage, and they do their best. The Taz and Jim Podcast. Treasure hunting bonanza going on in the Netherlands right now. Saw this story on Global News. A... Um, in the Netherlands, you know, documents become declassified after a certain period of time. Certain period sure. of time. Well, in the Netherlands, it's 75 years, and then they declassify certain documents, and this one piece of paper has been declassified. Turns out it's a treasure map. Oh. To looted Nazi treasure. Nazi gold. I like that Nazi gold in the last 50 years has completely replaced pirate booty. You know what I mean? Like, it used to be a pirate gold that you go yeah. for, and now it's always like Nazi gold. It's like it all seems. the pirate stuff's been found. Yeah. You got to find the Nazi, Nazi treasure. So, this 
map? It was, is, is there gold? Is there is there an X on it? That like X marks the spot? That must be it under the coconut tree. It was a map, and it is next to a tree. Uh, oh. Funny you say that. Uh, so it's believed to mark four spots where German soldiers hid treasure worth millions of dollars, containing diamonds, rubies, gold, silver, all sorts of jewelry. They think the treasure was looted from a bank and then buried shortly after. Uh, there's people running around the countryside with metal detectors right now looking mm. for this stuff. Uh, the, the, the map was based on the testimony of a German soldier who witnessed some of his fellow soldiers. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was them. I didn't rob the bank and bury the treasure, but I saw them do it. <laughs> By the way, if you're a Nazi, bank robbery is the least of your worries <laughs> exactly. as far as war crimes. <laughs> yeah, I'd take, the, I'd take the jail time for yeah. the bank robbery. Uh, so he, he witnessed this, and he described where they buried the treasure um, to authorities decades ago, and now that it is, uh, it's been released, now there's a chance that somebody's already found it and dug it up. Yeah, just because it's declassified didn't mean nobody could see it. The government had access to it. Also, how much are you going to trust the testimony of a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> They'll say anything. He, he could have been lying about the whole thing. Or maybe it is out there. I don't know if I'd want to be the person who found it, though. I mean, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark enough times to know this is a good way to get your <laughs> face melted. True. <laughs> Jim, you go ahead and you open the box first. <laughs> I'm going to sit in this fridge for a while. I'm just going to close my eyes and look away while you open that big <laughs> treasure chest. I want to see you peacock. Devin Peacock is here. We're talking NFL football. You got Wild Card Weekend coming up and some interesting football stories as we approach the weekend. For the Wild Card, Tua has been ruled out for the Miami Dolphins against Buffalo. So already Miami going to Buffalo, that was going to be a difficult game to win. Now you're going to have a rookie starting against the Bills. That makes it even more difficult. The Baltimore Ravens might be without Lamar Jackson as well. He has not played for the past five weeks. It appears he's not going to play this weekend. And his backup has been kind of injured as well. So the Baltimore Ravens, who are going to be playing the Bengals, also have kind of a uphill battle uh, going into the weekend. NFL legend Deion Sanders is coaching at the college level in the U.S. He is saying that he doesn't want to coach in the NFL. You think that means definitely he <laughs> will be coaching in the NFL. Every time a coach is asked, do you want to do something, and they say definitively no, they always end up doing it because the money's <laughs> too great. I mean, are you telling me Deion Sanders does not want this? I mean, so he he said when he was asked this, he does not want to coach rich men, which he might believe right now. But if he's offered, you know, a five-year, $50 million contract, I think he might want to coach rich men. If mm. you're a richer man, <laughs> then do you even consider the men you're coaching rich? Yeah, if you're the richest of all. <laughs> There's the solution. He's in Colorado right now doing a bang-up job. Yeah, so he just joined Colorado. He spent the past three years at Jackson State, and he is a recruiting machine. He was able to lure guys away from, like, Florida State, all these power schools to go to Jackson State, which is in Mississippi. It's a very small school in not one of the power conferences. He's now joined Colorado. Their quarterback is his son. 
done. So he brought a bunch of the players he recruited to Jackson State over the over to Colorado, and now he's in a what they call a power school because it's one of these power conferences. His recruiting power is going to be even better. A guy to watch really in college football is Deion Sanders because he's a good coach. Prime and, time. And but so that's but he, why he, I think he, he could go to the he NFL. He hates rich people, but he loves nepotism. <laughs> well, <laughs> what's going on here? He loves nepotism. Uh, he loves the bling. Uh, he's got every time you see him, he's got like seventeen chains on that look. I absolutely do love Deion Sanders. I love Deion Sanders as well. That's why I'd kind of like to see him in the NFL mm-hmm. because typically when you go from college to the NFL, it's difficult. But for him, he manages the personalities, which is what makes you a success in the NFL. The Taz and Jim podcast, and the audio book has been released. Prince Harry, Spare is the name of the book. You've probably seen or heard of it by now. And some of the stories, uh, I say interesting, but not in a good way. This is, this is one that's got a lot of attention. The story of Prince Harry getting frostbite on his, on his manhood. Mm-hmm. He may be the worst storyteller ever. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. The last place I wanted to be was Frostnipistan. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me. I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. Then I took a smidge and applied it down there. My penis was oscillating between oh, right, extremely sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> but when it repeats on itself, it sounds it even sounds dirty. Even, yeah, what the heck is he talking about? Harry, is- you're not doing a good job convincing the world that the royal family isn't a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> or incestuous. Like, that is so weird. And, like, I wanted to root for Harry. I really did, because I do not like the royal family. The more he talks, he just shows how absolutely dumb he is. Like, I don't know him personally, but boy, I don't think there's any denying how stupid this guy is. The stories kind of sound like a dumb guy trying to sound smart, and we know a lot about that. Yeah, but like, honestly, (laughs) he's like, oh, I hate being in the royal family, I need to leave. But thank God he was born into that family, because he'd be loading docks off the coast of England right now, because he's not a smart man. How does Meghan Marco feel about every time he tells these stories and says, Mummy, and... (laughs) Mummy. Put a lip cream on my Todja. My Todja needs some of Mummy's lip cream. (laughs) Please don't say that out loud ever (laughs) again, Harry. The Taz and Jim Podcast. We were talking yesterday about a gamer. He was playing a video game, a Tom Clancy game, Rainbow Mm -hmm. Six. And while he was playing, he butt dialed 911. Operator heard him say that he had just killed two people, which of course was something that had happened in the video game he was playing. Mm-hmm. But they sent the cops with the guns out to his house. He he essentially swatted himself because he called nine one one by accident. Now this is kind of in the same vein here. There's been some false nine one one calls happening on the ski slopes and RCMP in Kelowna are asking that if you're going skiing and you've got a smartwatch, turn off the SOS feature. Yeah. Apparently, like, if you fall a certain way and your watch hits something, it can trigger the SOS feature, and you'll never know because you're not looking at it. It's under your coat sleeve. It's behind a glove, so you'll never know that it's activated. It's the modern version of this. I've fallen, and I can't get up! (laughs) The old, uh... 
<laughs> life alert, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it thinks something has happened to you where you need medical assistance, and it'll call 911 on your behalf. Uh, responders show up, waste everyone's time, because it turns out you're just carving the slopes. Yeah. Here's my problem with the RCMP warning, because they're saying, please turn off your smartwatch feature, the SOS feature. What happens if you do then fall in a tree well or a bunch of powder or hurt yourself, and you like only have a little bit of time with no oxygen to try to get your SOS feature to work when you need it? Avalanche, right? Yeah. I mean... I get that it's annoying. You're you're showing up and it's a complete accident and a waste of everybody's time. But if you absolutely need that when you're by yourself on a hill, I would not be turning it on. Mm. Off, I mean, sorry. Well, we've lived without it for centuries. Some have and many have died without it. (laughs) Is there a sensitivity uh, uh, dial? You can can make it more or less, like make sure it's a real hard fall if you're going to call 911. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Make sure uh, I, if I'm going really fast and then I stop instantly. Yeah, yeah. Call nine one one. Have it be triggered by an audio uh, moment that goes bonk or something like whatever sound when you hit a tree. Have that trigger it. I've fallen and I can't get up. The Taz and Jim podcast. Guitar legend Jeff Beck has passed away at age seventy-eight. Alan Cross is the host of the ongoing history of new music. He's on the line. Hey, Alan. Hey, another one gone. Yeah, I know. It seems to be happening more and more, and I guess that trend is going to continue. Well, you know, if you look at the age of some of these people that we've been following since the 1960s or 1970s, they're getting up there. And uh, over the next five to seven years, there's no way around it. We're going to see a mass extinction of all these rock stars that have been with us for 30, 40, 50, even 60 years. And here's another example. And it could happen at any moment, and it could happen for any reason. I don't think anybody had Jeff Beck dying of bacterial meningitis on their bingo card, yet there you go. Yeah, when you're 78, you never know. Listen, 78 is a pretty good run. Ripe old age for a rock star, that's for sure. Especially if you're a rock star. Uh, He's considered one of the greatest guitarists at all time, of all time. What made Jeff Beck's guitar playing so special? I don't know if the guy had, it it was possible for him to hit a wrong note. Um, He just had a fluidity about his playing that um, hasn't really got the same, didn't really get the same sort of attention as just Jeff Beck or Eric Clapton. Now, all three guys were in the Yardbirds in the 1960s, and there's always been this debate about which one of these guys, Page, Clapton, or Beck, was the best guitar player. And a, a lot of guitar players I talk to uh, will point to Beck simply because his his, his playing was such that it, it was better than anybody else. And they even include some of these people, uh, uh, Eddie Van Halen and uh, Jimi Hendrix in this in this uh, comparison. So he you know you you have to listen to Beck uh, carefully. He wasn't a singer. he was a player. Never had a top forty hit of any kind, unlike Led Zeppelin or Eric Clapton. Um, 
but revered. Like you said, he does seem like yeah. the guy when you ask other musicians, who do you want to play guitar for you? They're going to say Jeff Beck, hands down. Yeah, there's just something tasteful about his playing that, that everybody wanted to have. Uh, I mean, the, his last band was with Johnny Depp. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, he, uh, he they went on tour, they played some shows, and, and it was pretty spectacular. Like you said, he didn't have too many like top 40 hits, so there's a lot of younger people who maybe are not familiar with his music. They're hearing Jeff Beck's name a lot right now. Uh, where would you suggest they start uh, listening to Jeff Beck to get kind of into the best well, stuff? Yeah. Yeah, well, you have to start with his time with the Yardbirds back in the 1960s, songs like Shapes of Things and so on. Uh, then you have to look at some of the Jeff Beck group stuff, especially when Rod Stewart was his singer. So that's me in the, in the 60s, early 70s as well. He had this on-off relationship. Imagine being with, such a good guitarist that the band is called the Jeff Beck group and Rod Stewart is just the guy singing <laughs> for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then you have to go through, there, there's an album called Blow by Blow, which was really big for a lot of people in the 1970s and early 1980s. And it was a Jeff Beck solo album, and it features some fantastic guitar play. He did have a rock radio hit. It was an instrumental from that album called Freeway Jam. Very, very tasteful guitar playing with a good rhythm track. Um, I, I still have it on an on a iPod somewhere. I like his music because it's a kind of, if, you, if you're doing stuff, if you're doing work around the house or, you know, you just want something on kind of while you're going about your day or if you're looking to relax in the car, like, I love that guitar kind of bluesy, rock, jazz, fusion stuff, and Beck was great at it. He really was, but he never went too far over into the jazz area. So everything, his, um, all his playing was, was accessible. And it was, it was, you know, deceptively, it sounded simple in some cases, but what he was actually doing was, was insanely complicated. Uh, and I keep coming back to being tasteful. And that's why, you know, uh, there was a time, I guess it was Ronnie Lane, the uh, British, uh, uh, the British musician uh, was suffering from multiple sclerosis. And he had a concert called the Arms Concert. And uh, that concert brought together Jeff Peck with Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton. They all played on stage at the same time. There is a film of this. And if you go back, uh, there's, there's a very good chance you will go, wow, Beck blew them off the stage. The Taz and Jim Podcast. The WWE is in the news. There's a story that uh, there's a story. It can only be Mark LaBelle from, <laughs> from Fresh Radio, our sister station. It's so funny that you're uh, you're on Fresh Radio spinning the Justin Bieber music. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to you've got to contain this side of yourself over there, Mark. You are the biggest WWE fan that we know. Yeah, uh, massive fan, and everything that's been going on right now, I got to tell you, is more interesting than what's actually going on on wrestling. Like, I'm I'm staying up all night watching these news stories come through, pounding the energy drinks. That's how cool I am. <laughs> the behind-the-scenes storyline is better than the, the on-camera storyline right now oh, in wrestling. Yeah, by far. So, uh, basically, Vince McMahon, you remember he retired back in the summer. Is sexual assault. 
yeah. allegations. Uh, he was getting some some pretty bad press, so he decided to step back. He's like, you know what? I'm going to walk away here. Well, he uh, still happens to be like the main shareholder in WWE. So he asked a couple weeks ago, he said he basically sent a letter and said, hey, I would like to come back. And everyone on the board unanimously Voted no. Now that includes <laughs> his own daughter, Stephanie McMahon, <laughs> his son-in-law, Triple H, and basically he said, okay, well, if you're not going to let me back, uh, the thing is, I still have control, so if you're looking to sell the company or all their media rights deals are coming up, he said, I'm not going to really approve anything, so basically you have to let me back. And hmm. did they let him back? They let him back. Oh, and I had to. As soon as he came back, people started resigning from the board, and now his daughter has left. And they're, you know, uh, imagine his- the chair budget in the boardroom at the WWE <laughs> corporate <laughs> office. Oh, I, I yeah. can just imagine yeah. any disagreement. You're getting chairs broken over someone's yeah. back. And then the fancy, expensive, ergonomic office chairs, yeah. too. <laughs> no thanks. So, so, was he do- so when, when he was gone, was the show better or worse? Because he's been running it for 40 years. See, a lot of people think he kind of lost his touch and, you know, he got a little too old. And and when Triple H took over and his daughter, they thought everything got a lot better. So a lot of fans Mm. were very, very happy. Now this, he says when he comes back here, he's like, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything creatively. I'm just going to stand in the background here and work on the media deals and stuff. But... No one really believes that. So. And possibly sell the WWE to Saudi Arabia. There's been <laughs> stories circulating that there's a deal in place to sell the World Wrestling Entertainment League to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Mm-hmm. Now, they're saying that's not happening. It's possibly just not happening yet. Would the WWE being sold to Saudi Arabia affect your enjoyment would it affect whether or not you watched wrestling i mean it's so it's it's the it's who i am i mean i don't even know who i would be if i didn't watch wrestling (laughs) so i feel like i would still watch however i mean yeah they have a deal with saudi arabia already the past five years they've been going over there and doing shows now here's the thing saudi arabia has so much money they're basically asking for all the old stars so they'll be like we want to see The Undertaker wrestle again. And he'll be like, no, I can't. And they're like, well, here, here's $5 million to have a match. Kind of like, like right, Live Golf, it. right? The where they're just paying every golfer in the world a gajillion dollars yeah. to to go over there and play. Speaking, so of, speaking of, of old wrestlers, well, how do you think the good people of the Middle East feel about the wrestler, the Iron Sheik? Are they big fans or do they hate that guy? See, I, he's still alive, so I'm yeah, wondering. Yeah, he's, you know, on he's one of my favorite guys yeah. to follow on Twitter. But he is a giant stereotype. But he is Iranian, but I, I don't know how they would feel about his performance. I would, I would guess it's kind of like I feel about Terrence and Philip on South Park. <laughs> You it's know, not accurate. Can, but Canadians aren't totally like that, but yeah. I just appreciate being mentioned. <laughs> See, either that or, you know, they're going to, when they want, if this deal goes through and they want all the, the old stars, then I don't know how old Cheeky is here, but uh, one more match maybe for sure. a few million dollars. So uh, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because to me, there's nothing more American than WWE wrestling. Mm-hmm. So to sell that off to Saudi Arabia, 
seems a little strange and makes me wonder whether or not it'll affect the the fan base. Uh, but I guess, hey, Vince McMahon, he's already facing bad publicity. He's like, what's I got nothing to lose. Give me the money. That's right. Yeah, like he's Dana up- White may want to think about selling the <laughs> UFC right now. Uh, come this far, he may as well just go all in. I guess is what he's thinking here. But well, if you if you hear anything, if there's any major developments on that sale, let us know, Mark. And I know you got to get back to. Uh, yeah. your, your Lizzo and Lady Gaga there. So Thanks uh, for letting me release over here for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah, problem. I'll be back.